This is episode 430 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, The Obsolete Three-Day Kit. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information on the ebook or the audiobook, you can go on over to the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com or click the link in the show notes. All right, so welcome to another week of podcast episodes. Hey, many of you know that I record the Monday podcast on Sunday night, and I'm coming back. My my throat may be just a little bit strained. I'm coming off of a pretty busy, actually a pretty busy week and a pre- pretty busy weekend. So this weekend, my church, uh, we participated in a men's retreat at the Texas Baptist uh, Men's Encampment in Palacios, Texas. And so it's on Matagorda Bay. And uh, had a a lot of fun. I mean, you know, it's about an hour and a half away, uh, maybe hour and 45 minutes away from uh, where where I'm at in Houston. And uh, it was just a good time. It was about four churches. We just got together. And uh, the men, and you know, it it wasn't anything. We don't go somewhere where they perform the uh, the men's retreat or you know some other organization does it it's kind of just all done in house you know one of the the pastors who uh who's been doing it for a while he kind of heads it up and he definitely you know puts a lot of work into it but for the most part it's you know men from our churches who wind up doing worship and praise and doing the music and then preaching we all kind of share in in all of that so uh it was a great time of fun and just fellowship a lot of the guys fish i don't fish it's not my thing but a lot of people do and they really caught some really great uh, fish out there some nice size fish and uh, it was just it was just a fun time and i would recommend to you you know it, this was a, a really busy week for me and it would have been very easy for me to stay home it would have been very easy for me to just uh you know rest and you know say hey you know what i i need this time to recover so that i can hit next week off and running and, and all that kind of stuff but you know made the uh you know made the sacrifice to go although you know I'm tired and all that kind of stuff and I'm glad I did uh you know and so if you get to have that opportunity if you go to church and they come up with a men's retreat it's really easy to say no I don't think I'm going to do that I don't want to go you know when you go to these places you're not you're not sleeping in the Hilton. You're 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 gonna miss your bed. You're probably not gonna eat the, the exact type of food that you want. It's not gonna be everything that you want. It's not a vacation. Definitely, you're going to build relationships with other guys. You're going to praise and to worship God. You're going to get more of what you know God wants for you and hearing some great messages that should inspire you and encourage you to live the way that you need to live. And you know what? The way that things are nowadays, men really need to be together and to share those things in, in commonality. You know, we can go out to the woods and we can camp and we can hunt and we can do all those types of things. But when you're together and a bunch of men are just, you know, worshiping God and uh, praying and, and just seeking God, it's just a really cool thing. And you get to build those relationships, playing games and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, the reason I'm, I'm really bringing all of this up is my message was on 
uh, end times prophecy, and I used Daniel chapter two and bounced off of that and and did you know some other things there. And after I finished, uh, you know, going back to the dorms and stuff, uh, one of the guys from one of the churches stopped me and uh, started talking to me, and he handed me a quarter ounce of silver, and uh, I, I'm like, great, you know, that's cool. And he was talking to me about it, and he owns his family owns a pharmacy in Lamarck, Texas, and so that's down by Galveston. And uh, he was he just talking to me about he thought that it would be a great idea that if there ever was a time like I was talking about in in my message that you know you had the mark of the beast and you have all those types of things and and people needed to be able to barter and to trade and all those types of things that a little bit of silver would be a great thing a little bit of silver in the hands of people would be a great thing so a lot of the times we talk about silver we talk about ounces but he's used uh, fractional silver so quarter ounces uh, and he has chosen to put his pharmacy information on there. So instead of using, uh, you know, using the advertisement dollars to, you know, I don't know, maybe put some uh, information into the the local newspaper or radio ads, TV, whatever, whatever that was, he chose to put some some effort and some time into creating these uh, quarter ounce silver coins, right? And it's uh, about the size of a quarter, maybe just a little bit smaller. And it has all the information on there, you know, Heart Pharmacy. Uh, it's in Lamarck, Texas. And so, man, I thought this was a great idea. And again, the, the idea was, it's it's one, it's an advertisement tool. So they hand these out to customers. They hand these out to people as they're out in the area, you know, out in Lamarck and just let people know that, hey, this is, this is silver, right? I mean, this is a quarter ounce of silver. And uh, to let them know that. But then it also puts... The idea of, hey, this is some silver in your pocket in case you ever, for whatever reason, you needed to barter, you needed to trade, you needed some silver for whatever reason, then you already have some. And so it causes people to keep it just a little bit more and uh, to look at it. And not only that, but you know, he was talking to me a little bit about uh, colloidal silver and uh, just the, the healing properties of silver. You know, people would keep silver coins in their pockets so that they could, you know, if they touched them and things like that, that just the the antimicrobial and 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 uh, you know all that kind of stuff that silver has with it. Um, and I just I'm just talking from the cuff here, off the cuff. I don't have all that information uh, just readily in my mind. Uh, but uh, all those things, you know, people would use that for for that reason. And I don't know if that's a it's really a myth or not, but an old wives' tale or not, but. People would do it, and I know that I have done it for a while. Uh, I I went through the airport. I went through airport security, and I thought maybe at one point they might say, "Hey, uh, you know what? What's up with that silver? That silver coin?" And they didn't even question it at all. So um, carrying it around is 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 a thing that might be beneficial to you health wise. But going back to the reason why he did this, of course, it was the advertisement aspect of it and to get the name out there. But then that that other reason was to provide other. Uh, other other people, other Christians, other believers with a means to be able to buy if they needed to, to trade and to barter and to buy things that ever the economy was ever bad. And so, yeah, if the if the economy ever goes to poop, man, you have a quarter ounce of silver that's going to go up in value. And so, something that they give for free has you know this this possibility. I mean, it already has value already as it goes but has the possibility of having even more value just as time goes on. And so one of the, the other things as we were talking, and one of the other things that he had kind of mentioned was it would be great if other Christian businesses 
did the same thing. They had their own fractional silver. They would give it out out there and would provide, you know, just just as this this means of having kind of a currency if things ever happen. And then the Christian businesses and the and the people that were out there could trade with that. So he gave me a few coins. I really appreciate it. I want to send a shout out to Hart Pharmacy in Lamarck. So if you're in the Galveston, uh, you know, Hitchcock, Lamarck, uh, all that area, Pearland, all that area down there, and uh, you need a, a local pharmacy, man, they might be the place that you need to go to and uh, and to check out. I mean, really great, uh, really great guy. And I uh, really loved the conversation. We got to play some some games later on uh, that uh, that next day. And so it was just, uh, again, the whole men's retreat was fun. And I was able to share a little bit about prophecy and uh, come away with some silver coins. I thought that was really, truly great. All right. So uh, uh, enough about that. Let's go ahead and move into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. The topic or the article title is The Obsolete Three-Day Kit. Now, the first time I ever saw that title, it really caught my attention because I'm like, okay, so what is uh, you know, paranoid prepper? What is salty? What is spice? What are they going to be talking about here at uh, the obs- about the obsolete three-day kit? Because the three-day kit is something that you hear about all the time in preparedness. So I'm going to read the article and then I'm going to come back with a little bit of commentary. And so I hope you enjoy this one. Again, the obsolete three-day kit coming to you from Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You. For as long as I can remember, the recommendation from official emergency preparedness types like DHS and Red Cross was to have a kit with three days of emergency supplies for your whole family. The logic behind this recommendation was that official rescue efforts might take as much as three days to get to you. You needed to be able to survive long enough to get rescued. This made a lot of sense to me until things started going wrong that took a lot longer than three days to complete rescues and get everybody to safety. The first such disaster to penetrate with me was 9-11. Most of the deaths occurred with the collapse of the buildings, but the mess was not something from which rescues could be made within three days. Albeit, if you were in the buildings when they fell, survival was very unlikely. The tsunami in the Indian Ocean in 2004 was another eye-opener, followed the next year by Hurricane Katrina. By the time these two events were behind us, it was apparent to many individuals that the three-day recommendation was inadequate for the disasters we were actually experiencing, let alone events that had not yet occurred, like an EMP or nuclear war, (laughs) zombie apocalypse, etc., These events caused the ranks of preppers to grow by leaps and bounds, but the official recommendation for a three-day kit remained in place. Subsequently, I experienced Hurricane Sandy. Power was out at my location for eight days, with some other areas out much longer. Leaving the area was impossible due to all the downed trees. I was relatively comfortable because of all the prepping I had done beforehand, including a standby generator. But the experience again confirmed that while a three-day kit might be better than nothing, to really be prepared for stuff that was actually happening, not just might happen, a three-day kit was not going to be adequate. Well, you'll be pleased to know that the powers that be finally got the memo, and the Department of Homeland Security, or DHS, now recommends a 14-day kit. Considering the bad press DHS took during and after Katrina, you would think they would have figured out in less than a decade, but better late than never. As I write this, the television news is saying that the powers that be in Hawaii are telling people to stock a 14-day supply of food prior to an approaching hurricane. Now, unfortunately for Hawaii, there are a series of islands with logistical challenges reminiscent of Puerto Rico, 
with a volcano thrown in for good measure. Now, throughout the time three-day kits were recommended, I recall seeing lots of advice on what to put in a three-day emergency kit. The advice on the contents varied, but never was the time frame of three days question other than by preppers. The contents recommended were limited as the time frame was relatively short. For a three-day kit, what was recommended was not much different than what one might take on a three-day camping trip. The entire kit for one person could go into a modest backpack. Many vendors sold pre-packaged three-day kits, so someone could just buy a small, modestly priced kit and their preparations in response to the official recommendation were complete. Unfortunately, many of these kits were junk. I believe the new 14-day recommendation will cause a rethink all around, but it hasn't happened yet. The new recommendation is just making its way into the public consciousness. Contents need to be higher quality and more durable, capable of being reused. Consumable supplies like food will need to be much more voluminous. You won't fit a realistic 14-day kit in a 3-day backpack. If you have a 3-day bag, consider upgrading. Start with a larger bag. Add food and water and toilet paper. Just guys, side note, you know toilet paper. (laughs) That's a big deal for me. All right, then upgrade the quality of items in the bag. Do this for all members of the family capable of carrying a larger bag. Now, on Prepper Forums, three days was considered insufficient preparation for Teotihuacan, or that's the end of the world as we know it, which was the kind of event that conversation focused on. With the official recommendation obviously inadequate, I believe continuing to recommend three-day kits, despite disasters where that wasn't working, gave a push to the whole Prepper trend. When official recommendations were so far off the mark in events like Katrina, why listen to anything coming from that source? This raises the question of whether the new 14-day recommendation is realistic. Preppers with their focus on very long-term events will almost certainly say it is not. On the other hand, a 14-day kit would have been much more helpful than a 3-day kit to those caught in any of the 2017 hurricanes, Harvey, Irma, and Maria. The major question in my mind is whether it will discourage the folks who previously would have set aside a 3-day kit from doing anything. If that group moves to the longer kits with a few deciding not to bother, the overall level of preparation in society will be better. If many of those same people decide that a 14-day kit is more than they can or are willing to set aside, then conceivably the overall privately held supply situation will be reduced and supplies will certainly not be located as favorably for the overall population. So despite the fact This new recommendation has been out for a little while. I don't think most of the population is aware of it. The three-day recommendation had been in place for decades. As a result, we now face a transition period as the word gets out and folks adjust. Fortunately, the folks that matter are limited. Think of the population as being in three groups. Preppers go beyond the recommendation, so their lives are unchanged. The masses haven't yet put together three-day kits, so we can safely assume they won't put together 14-day kits either. In between are those who follow the government's advice and currently have a three-day kit. How long will it take to get them to upgrade, and how many will make the upgrade? I think we will know the answer in about a decade. The 14-day kit recommendation is more realistic and is still doable by the typical non-prepper citizen who wants to listen to official advice on such matters. Serious preppers will still not consider such a bag adequate, but preppers are never going to be limited in our thinking to an amount of time that others will consider realistic. However, the change is worth noting. 
When you are discussing disaster response with a non-prepper, you can now point to official recommendations to have 14 days of supplies rather than just three days of supplies. All right, so there's a couple of links here that you can link to to uh, other articles that uh, Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and you uh, have for you. There are 14 comments, so you know people are going are commenting on it and kind of going back and forth. Uh, somebody somebody said something along the lines is it's hard to get three days worth of food inside of a uh, inside of a bug out bag, and uh, I think it was Spice that that responded back about the Boy Scout Camp Philmont. And I never got to go as a Boy Scout. I just, I just never did. But I know my friends that were older uh, did go to Philmont, and uh, you know they did. But when the the backpacks that they carried were like serious, you know, camping backpacks with like frames and and all that kind of stuff. A lot of the times when we talk about bu- bug out bags and and stuff like that, we're talking about uh, like a, a bag that a kid would take to school. A lot of the times, and you know, because we're talking about being frugal and stuff like that when we're making our bug out bags. And if you have a family, I mean, yeah, you're going to be looking for bags, and and maybe you're going to a resale shop and you're trying to find a good deal on some really nice bags that you can you know put together for your family because they're not going to be taking these everywhere they go every single day. So yeah, yeah. A lot of the times when we were talking about that, you can put more food. You could put 17 days worth or 14 days worth of food, uh, especially dehydrated food, inside of one of those big backpacks, as, as well as all the other things that you need would need for 14 days. So it would take a little bit different, um, I guess, container, uh, if for lack of a better word, um, or bigger backpack. You know, like a real hiking. Uh, backpacking backpack instead of just a school bag that you would use. So let's talk about this just a little bit. I did go to uh, some of the sites. I tried to I tried to find the one here. I did find the Hawaii. There was a um, there was an article that I found on Hawaii on the recent hurricane that they were having over there that they recommended officials recommended 14 days of supplies uh, or you know uh, yeah 14 days of supplies rather than three days. Now, if I remember correctly, it was just supplies. It wasn't in a bag or like a bug out bag. And well, if you're in Hawaii, you're on an island. Uh, that's probably not going to be the case either. Or anyway, if you go over to ready.gov, they are still saying 72 hours. Now, I didn't find it in at DHS. I didn't find the exact website. But DHS, I mean, I'm sorry, ready.gov is still saying 72 hour kits. Now, redcross.org.org when they're talking about making a kit, they have uh, make a kit or three days survival for evacuation and then two weeks supply for home. So th- they're saying 14 days if you're staying in the house, but if you're leaving the house, they're still calling for like a 72 hour kit or 72 hours worth of supplies. But I don't doubt with all the things that have happened and the recent disasters that are out there that people would understand that three days, it's not enough. I mean, just it's not enough if you are needing to uh, depend on those supplies, you know. So let's talk very quickly about a bug out bag. If you are bugging out, then you have a place to bug out to. You have a bug out location, right? Um, If you do not have a bug out location, then when you leave your home, you're not bugging out to your bug out location, you're evacuating. And so we can kind of start thinking in those terms that might be a little bit more helpful when we talk about bugging out. 
So if you have a bug out bag and you're going to your bug out location, the idea, and I know that I've talked about this on Facebook live videos and actually have it on a YouTube video as well. So your bug out bag contents, the purpose of those are to get you to your bug out location. That's the, that's the purpose of your bug out bag. Because in your bug out location, you have other supplies. That's your other supplies that you're going to be dependent on. So your bug out bag is enough to get you to your bug out location. So I don't, you know, that there's a little bit, I mean, I think we use terms in preparedness, just like in everything else, where we kind of lump everything in one thing. So if you have a place where you're going to, that's it. And a lot of the times the food, I know that I've talked about this, the food and the water, a lot of the times when you're bugging out, you're, you're maybe you are sleeping and you're just like taking a little bit of time to sleep. But for the most part, you're not making camp. Sometimes people think you're, you know, when you bug out, you're like going on a camping trip uh, for, you know, three days or however many days that your, you know, your bug out location is. Now, if it's really far away, then that might not be a good bug out location. But if you are, you know, a couple of days away, let's say to, to your bug out location by walking, and that's a lot of the times people are thinking that most people will say, hey, you no, know, get in your car and well, there, you can just, you know, take that to uh, you know, on so many different levels and I can just chase all kinds of rabbits right now. But the idea, I want to go back to the idea of the bug out bag is to get you to your bug out location. So a lot of the times the food that you have in there are just going to be high energy food to get you to that that place. And then when you're at that bug out location, then you have all your supplies there. So if you don't have a bug out location, you are evacuating. And so that's that's important to understand because you really don't have a place to bug out to. You don't really have a place to go that has other supplies. And so, yeah, you would need to take more supplies with you. You need to think that through. And so we've talked about that before in the past, where if you were to bug out it's good to have a bug out location. It's good to have a place to go to. Or if you have to evacuate, um, you know, it, it's it's better to have a plan A or B or C or D to where you're just not evacuating, to where you have a place that you can go. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of planning that goes into that. And you should be thinking about that. You know, where could I go if I had to leave for whatever reason? So a lot of the times, again, where we talk about bugging out, if you are not able to bug out, then a lot of people say they're going to bug in. And in fact, I think that's probably the best idea for people that don't have a bug out location that is stocked and ready to go. And you're ready to, you know, face the zombie apocalypse in your bug out location or whatever, you know, the, the next nuclear war or whatever, right? If you don't have that, then the best option is to really stay in your home. It really is, is to bug in. Now, Again, that might be your plan A, that might be your plan B, that might be your plan C, and then you might find something like Hurricane Harvey come and you don't get to bug in. You have to bug out because water is coming up in your house and you have, you know, it's it's you're you're going to drown if you don't leave. And guys, it was so it was so high in a lot of homes here in Houston that I mean, we're talking about it went 8 feet high into the houses. So in there's a lot of places where it went even higher, you know, in not necessarily just in Houston, but I mean in Houston, in in the city, we saw those that that amount of water. So you can't bug in with that. You've got to bug out. So that's always why people say you can bug in and that could be your your idea of what you're going to do, but you should have a bug out bag available just in case you can't, just in case you have to bug out. 
in case there's a fire, in case there's a flood, in case there's a reason why you're not able to stay, that you're able to grab a bag of, you know, important uh, supplies that you're able to get out of there with. So should you have more? Yeah, if you bug in, you would have a lot more than 14 days. At least you should have a lot more than 14 days worth of supplies to, to help you when you're bugging in. If you are bugging out or you are evacuating and you are bugging out or evacuating in a vehicle, then it would be smart to have a plan to be able to put supplies in your vehicle so that you could get out. You know, I talked a little bit about um, grab and go buckets, you know, uh, that, that are like Mountain House and Legacy. You know, Legacy provides bigger, I think, a, a bigger bang for your buck, but they come in buckets that are easy to move. And so you can grab them along with your bug out bag and put them into the vehicle. And so you do have some food available if you needed to, if you were having to evacuate or bug out. So let me leave you with, with a couple of thoughts here. Number one, you need to have a plan. If you're going to bug in, fine. If you're going to bug out, fine. But have plans just in case things don't always work out your way. Don't count on just bugging in. Don't count on just bugging out. And make sure that you have you know, some plans in place to be able to feed yourself. And because if you're bugging out and it's just because of a localized fire, that's fine. You can get someplace and you can, you know, you can get food and shelter and all that kind of stuff. If it is because you are bugging out because it is a flood, fine. You can drive far enough to get away from the flood and you can have shelter and food and water and all that kind of stuff. But if you are bugging out for other reasons and there's widespread uh, a widespread situation, then I mean you're on your own, and there might not be food out there, and there might not be water out there, there might not be a shelter out there for you. So you've got to consider those types of things. And what would you do? Maybe you don't have a bug out bag. Maybe you have a bug out tote, right? You have a couple of totes that you're able to throw into a vehicle really quickly. Let's say you have a you know a van or a suburban or or some kind of SUV or a truck where you're able to throw some totes in there that have supplies already you know, prepared for you. And so in that case, it's very easy to do that. You could put away more than 14 or more than three days. You could put 14 days of food and water and supplies and things like that in a, in a tote. You could do both. You could have some bug out totes and you could have some bug out bags just in case you had to be separated from your vehicle. You could grab that bag and you would have the basic, you know, basic supplies that you need. But anyway, there's a lot of thought here, a lot of things that you need to uh, to consider. And and lastly, let me tell you this: you need to do what is right for your situation. I can get up here and I can talk to a lot about you should bug in. I could tell you and make all kinds of cases for you should bug out and what kind of gear you should have and all that kind of stuff. But it, when it comes down to it, you need to do what's best for you. You know. You need to do what is right for you and what is right for your family and what is right for your, you know, for your kids and for your situation because everybody is going to be just a little bit different and you're going to have to tweak it for you. I don't know your situation. I don't know all the things that, that make up your family. I don't know what your situation is like. So I can't give you just this checklist. I can give you a basic checklist, right? And a lot of the articles and websites that you, that you hit will give that to you and podcasting videos will give you a framework, right? To work from. But then ultimately you've got to make, you've got to fine tune it for you and for yourself. Okay, I said last thing, but one more last thing. They did mention in this article about the pre-made uh, you know, kits, 
do not do that. If they're, they're very right on that. Paranoid Prepper, when he wrote this, I agree with him 110%. There are some kits out there that are junk and that you can buy them. And that's just the lazy man way of doing it. And so when you go to Amazon and you're trying to find something, you're trying to you know find the cheapest price, you don't want to depend on the cheapest price gear if, if you really needed to depend on that. I mean, the reason you're, you're purchasing this stuff is because you feel like one day you might need to depend on it. So you don't want to go cheap on that. The best thing to do is to buy the gear that you need. Now, maybe if you don't know where to start, you can look at that that those cheap pieces of, of uh, those cheap uh, kits. I was going to say cheap pieces of gear or whatever, and and get an idea of what kinds of things they're putting in there. But then you go buy quality stuff. There are kits that you can buy out there that are really high quality, but you are paying for you're you're paying for it and just know that a lot of the times you're paying for the you know they might have a 511 tactical bag that that's connected to it you're going to be paying for that um they're going to have top of the line water filters and stuff like that but you're going to be paying for that so sometimes it's cheaper when you build it yourself or build it over time so if you have all the money to buy one of those really, you know, really very expensive, I mean, some of those kits that I'm talking about sell for like $1,500. If, you know, a bug out bag for for $1,500, if you can afford that and you fine, good, go ahead and more power to you, buy that. I would tell you still open up those the, that package, open up that bug out bag and look at that gear, practice with it, try it out. Don't just buy a $1,500 bug out bag, put it in your closet and wait for the zombie apocalypse. That's just not the way to do it. The best thing to do though is to build it yourself. You know, Look at some of the things that are out there and start building what you need for your needs. Again, I'm going to say that for your needs. That's the most important thing. All right, guys, I, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes, uh, this article by Beans, Bullets, Bandages, and You, and that way you can go and check it out. And again, there's some other articles here that are linked to this article that will help you with bug out bags and all that good stuff. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 430. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. Hey, don't forget, if you are not subscribed to the podcast, you can go on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and you can subscribe in so many different podcast networks. You know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts or Google Play, Google Music. We, we're in so many different uh, areas over there. Tune in. And so uh, we try to make it very easy for you to find the podcast and also to subscribe to it. And when you subscribe, then you know that you're always going to get that sweet prepper goodness in your earbuds. All right. Hey, don't forget to take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes, including our Facebook group. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.